0: But what we are talking about in 2023 is ai right generative ai is the big buzz but how has 2023 changed your game hello and welcome to episode 69 of great things with great tech the podcast highlighting companies doing great things with great technology. My name's Anthony Spateria and in this episode, we're exploring the world of software development and consulting services with a leading company that excels in delivering industry-focused software solutions. They empower businesses with software development expertise and cutting edge technologies. That company is InfoZone, and I'm talking to Firquan Aziz, the CEO of InfoZone. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so very much, Anthony. Uh pleasure to uh, have this podcast with you today.
0: So, hey, just before we get on to InfoZone and talk about you know what you're doing in, in this space, if you like great things with great tech and you'd like to appear on the future shows, please click on the link on the show notes and register your interest or head to gtwgt.com and check the links there. Just as a reminder, you can catch all episodes of GTWGT on all good podcasting platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, all hosted and distributed by Spotify Podcasts. And as a final reminder, head to YouTube, click the like and subscribe button and also alert because that way you'll get all future episodes. So with that out of the way, um, let's talk about InfoZone and talk a little bit about your history and how you came to, to found the company. And I think this is really good just to, just to sort of lay the foundation here. InfoZone is such a different company to what I've had on the show before. This is a true software development house. And also the first one I can say with confidence that was founded out of Pakistan.
1: Well, uh, yeah, it is very interesting um, thing. And I would I, I have had a very long journey. I would try to summarize it because we have a time constraint here. Um, I showed you this, the, the very, very first venture in my life in 2014. And then that was a failure. Uh, that startup was with one, one of my partner one of my friends as a partner, and that failed because uh, the collaboration between the partners didn't went very well. And then I made another attempt in 2017 with two of my friend's partner, and again, uh, the result was exactly the same. This time, again, I was not able to uh, kind of have that ideal collaboration and coordination with my partners, and we had to kind of shut it down once again. But uh, then after 2017, I went into um, some CTO role. I I started serving to some US-based startups as a chief technology officer or as a kind of solution architect or technical project manager sort of roles. And while serving those tech startups, I was realizing, I was feeling that the talent um, is a big constraint for those all tech-enabled companies because all of those companies that i was working with were tech enabled companies they were trying to develop some sort of product that a tech product that they were trying to digitalize some some uh, real life problems and they were were struggling with the talent with the tech talent that was kind of a key component or key kind of requirement of developing some software solution so um, and when i looked at pakistan pakistan was having uh, huge number of uh, available uh, technical resources or software engineers or quality assurance people or project managers available here. And I found a huge gap there between um, the North American and European market versus uh, the Asian Pakistani market. So uh, I decided to establish one organization who is gonna solve the problem of, of all those CTOs and head of engineering or VP engineering to um, to struggle with the tech talent and to struggle with the timelines and deliverables by serving, by offering a managed service for them. So Invozone kind is this kind of managed service provider for the tech-enabled uh, companies to offer the software development services to them. Or quality assurance services to them, or project management services to them. So we kind of working right now with eighty plus clients and around the globe. Um, of course, we are kind of not uh, limit, or limited, or rigid, or restrict to one region. We are working uh, with anyone from any country, any region, because uh, this is the era of you know remote work. You can connect with anyone over Zoom, Meet, mm-hmm. Slack, or email or whatnot, and. We are kind of working with eighty plus of, uh, projects or clients uh, or teams from different countries and regions right now, and kind of running with five hundred plus headcount at the moment. So okay, we wow. have five hundred plus, uh, yeah, five hundred plus uh, developers, or quality working with different projects. And so that's quick, brief history and quick, brief what exactly we are doing. we we'll Would love to take next question from your side.
0: Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good roundup. So yeah, it definitely is a different um, kettle of fish to what I usually have on, but I guess at the end of the day, it's all software, right? And I guess what you what the company's offering, what InvoZone is doing is actually you know outsourcing a problem that would be internal to a company. So you talked about the fact that you spent some time inside an organization as that decision maker, as that CTO trying to wrangle the resources, trying to do the projects internally. And you saw you saw the problem and then from that you thought well why can't i solve this by leveraging some of the technology talent that's in pakistan and it's funny because i think to a certain extent pakistan gets forgotten quite a bit next to india i um, in the subcontinent in terms of um not so much cricket we've talked about cricket before we we both love our cricket which is always good to talk about um but yeah but i think it gets forgotten in terms of tech so we we can't forget that there's a really strong tech talent in Pakistan as well is is that something that i guess is intrinsic to the subcontinent or is there something else that drives it within you know india and more specifically in pakistan
1: uh well uh, this is not about the uh, about uh, kind of the region this is not the regional stuff i guess this is the interest of the people so uh, in any region it there is, is yeah. if there is an interest driven or uh, people start taking interest into specific uh, tech Technology or a specific domain. Uh, maybe some some people are kind. Of, some some region is specifically driving their focus toward medical science, probably, or maybe um, aeronautical science, or maybe uh, geographical science, probably. So it, it is it is their basic interest where you kind of put um, your your community into, and then communities kind of take the ripple impact and grows up. So that's how uh, India and Pakistan looks like. Uh, this region is specifically. Uh, very well focused on information technology. The universities, the education uh, segment, uh, is is playing a very critical and very important role, uh, kind of delivering those uh, required um, kind of education to the to the youngsters, to the yes. young graduates, and then they become the part of the industry as well. And then after university, there is an a huge industry segment available on the local grounds in Pakistan specifically. That kind of um, retrain those uh, university graduates to become the top talent. That kind of compete with the with the in US based or, or European based uh, tech talent. So that, that's how it looks like.
0: Yeah, and I think you mentioned. Yeah, I think it really goes. It's the nurturing of the you know the, the the system, the school system, the universities to be able to create not only interest because interest only goes so far, but to be able to nurture talent to get them into a company like InvoZone is very important. Um, you mentioned 500 employees at the moment. So has that does that grow with every new customer that you get or how is it structured? I'm always interested in these software development houses like yourself when you're outsourcing like this. It does, does the whole 500 work together to create certain pockets of, of programs or is a certain team, say 20 or 30, dedicated to a certain customer? How does it structure?
1: Uh, the the dedicated part is is the rightly um, right explanation of that, that thing. So let me quickly explain how the whole model works. Uh, we initially at Invozen specific specifically we kind of hired the people first. Um, by uh predicting the need of the market, we kind of understand that okay, what sort of technology is, is becoming the uh becoming coming into the demand. For example, AI was the was kind kind of quite in, in spike or hype or in demand for 2023, while Metaverse was quite in demand in 2022 and blockchain okay. was in demand in 2021. And in 2020, it was uh, Elixir or Goland, such technology. So every year there is there is a technology that's gonna go uh, into a hype. We kind of predict that based on our, our knowledge, based on our kind of uh, analysis. And uh, there are many indications that we kind of uh, keep in consideration to analyze what sort of technology would be coming in demand. We, on the demand, on the demand side, we kind of hire the resources and engineers upfront and put them into a free pool. There is a concept of free pool or bench okay. where we kind of put all the free engineers, quality uh, insurers, designers, artists, for managers sit onto the, on, onto a free bench and wait for a new project to start. So that's one okay. component. And the next, comp- another component is we kind of have sales and marketing teams who kind of approach the people who approach the VP engineering, head of engineering or CTOs to to grab their outsource needs. Sometimes people really don't understand if they uh, they want to outsource or they need to outsource but we kind of educate them at the same time and when they are ready to outsource their part or full of their project or uh, maybe sometimes they already have an in-house team and they just want to uh, augment some of the helping hands into their existing team so they really don't want to outsource the project but they want to in uh, kind of uh, source uh, an an existing resource uh, into an existing team so that's also uh, is is a, uh, kind of model that we offer as a resource augmentation so there are two models resource augmentation and the product uh, development in the resource augmentation people normally do have their own teams they we just kind of augment our engineers designers or artists or publishers into their team and they become, our engineers become part of their, their team. Sort yes. of. And then when they don't need that engineer, they kind of outboard the engineer. And we put that engineer back to the free pool or bench again. And similarly, uh, if we go into the product development model, we kind of, uh, require, gather the requirements, prepare a plan, product plan and resource plan. And then once we signed a contract, we engage the engineers, our designers, the required resources from our free pool into our product. This product is led by a product manager internally from our side, and we kind of keep delivering the milestones uh, every week or every two weeks. That's how it it normally works. Once the project is delivered, we put those engineers back to the bench uh, again.
0: So That bench is really really interesting in the pool. I understand the the pool sense, and that's kind of why I asked the question. Um, An interesting thought that I just had is that while they're on the bench or while they're in the pool, are they? Is it so? they become a contractor, or are they still employed? Um, how how does that work without getting into too much detail? But it's kind of intriguing to say, from a business perspective, from a software development house like yourself, when you got this pool and this bench, how do you keep them engaged and and I guess gainfully employed?
1: Right, That's an interesting question. Uh, all of our uh, people are fully uh, full-time employed. We don't uh, onboard any contractor because we we have been, done that before, but the seriousness and loyalty and long term uh, yes. engagement perspective, the contractors are not very good. Um, I don't discuss contractor contractual work, but again, it does not fit our business model. So we have to have all the engineers or people on our payroll all the time even when they are on a free pool. So when they when people are in pre-pool, we kind of engage them on reskilling and upskilling of their uh, t- their kind of tech skills. Okay. Because yeah, um, right. there is always a space available to expand your uh, skills. For example, you are a DevOps engineer, so probably um, you are just an um, expert with AWS uh, cloud. So we may start uh, engaging you training onto the Google Cloud as well, or uh, your as well, or some other clouds as well. So. It helps uh, you and helps us uh, for future engagements. That's how it looks like.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I, I totally get it. So that, that's good. And that's what I was wondering, whether they were still employed. But obviously, you, when they're on the yes. bench, they're training up, then they're getting reskilled to be able to go to the next job. So that's really interesting. Um, I, I, you mentioned AI. We're going to definitely hit on that in the last part. Um, I, I did have an... So in terms of what services you offer and, and what your sweet spot is, um, you mentioned DevOps, you mentioned public clouds like AWS or Google. So, what sort of development are you doing? Is it, is it more end applications where the platform doesn't matter, or do you do you work specifically with certain platforms like AWS, um, the serverless products there, um, Kubernetes? Like, what, what sort of is your is your core strength, or is that part of the fact you've got five hundred people, so you can be pretty much good at whatever you need to be?
1: Oh yep. Yeah. Um, uh, I have divided Invo Zone. Uh, it is not five hundred actually. It's six hundred and twenty people right now. So six hundred twenty people. I used to say five hundred plus because uh the head count goes up and down with uh, yeah. You know, it's not stable all the time. So it's it's six hundred twenty today while we are talking. So uh, I have divided this six hundred twenty engineers or people into three verticals. One is Invo Blocks. One is Invo Games, and third one is Invo Zone. InvoZone is actually the primary company as well as the biggest vertical. InvoBlocks is blockchain vertical where we work on all the blockchain related projects, uh, all the Web3 related projects where it comes the crypto marketplaces, NFT marketplaces, P2P marketplaces, crypto exchanges, uh, DApps, decentralized apps or DeFi uh, for decentralized finance. Any sort of mobile or web application that involve that have any sort of involvement with the or blockchain. It can be healthcare, fintech. most of the time, it is fintech, but it can be healthcare, fintech, e-social uh, media or social platform or commerce, e-commerce platform, or something like that. So that comes under Invo And there is another vertical called Invo Games. Invo Games is purely working on game development and metaverse. So game development comes with mobile uh, games, PC games, console games, and uh, VR or virtual reality-based uh, games. So these are the games that we are working on. It, it covers all the fantasy games, uh, strategy games, first-person uh, first, first person shooter games, and wow, okay. some sort of uh, hyper casual games. So these are the games that we are developing under Invo Games. Uh, and there is third vertical that's called Invo Zone itself. It has uh, typical mobile and web application development, but for ai based products or any sort of um products that comes with healthcare ed, ed-, ed-, ed- tech health tech or e-commerce uh, stuff so our Pretty major cool. focus is health tech health tech ed- tech fintech and e-commerce these are the four major major verticals or industries that we we are focused on inside InnoZone.
0: yeah that's that's awesome so I, I did read, obviously, the split that you had there, and I, I've noticed that you were at some game development conference as well. So the game part of it's really cool. And I guess, you know, you, you talked about the progression and what's hot, right? Obviously, AI was hot today. You mentioned Metaverse was extremely hot last year. And then Web3 yep. and crypto has been, and DeFi has been, you know, going as well. But obviously... Let's tape it off, off a lot. Um, so, you know, how, how much more active, what, what percentage would you say, or maybe not a percentage, give an indication of, you know, is crypto dead, is Web3 dead, or is it still active and bubbling and ready to take off again effectively? And you, you've, you've got a split certain, you know, zone of the company set up for it. So obviously you think it's still going to be something that is, you know, going to be uh, going in the future effectively.
1: Uh, for the for the blockchain, uh, for the crypto part specifically, crypto are expecting a surge in the crypto prices in 2024, in March or April 2024. That's my prediction based on the numbers and based on the history. So every four years there is a halving or a hype uh, expected and the next hype, the last hype was in 2018 and next hype is uh, in the prices of the crypto is expected in 2020. Uh, sorry, um, the last hype was in 2020 and next hype is 2024. So every four year we see a hype in the uh, crypto prices so the best time to invest into any any stock or any kind of option is when the prices are lowest possible right now the prices in the crypto space is the, on the bottom line and we can invest whatever money we we want to and in 2024 we are expecting our uh, bitcoin to be 100000 us dollars for, for one bitcoin That's Oh, the wow. you heard you, you
0: heard you heard it her first you heard it here first i'm happy oh, with yes. that yes <laughs> Exactly. I'm, still, I'm still, I'm one of those guys that's hodling and holding on. And I was very big in the DeFi world. I got addicted to it like a lot of people back in, in 2021. And it's quite exciting, right? All yep. the new projects that were coming off. The really cool thing about that was that you, you knew that there was a lot of programmers behind this. There was obviously yep. teams that were working to be able to pump out different projects. And let's be honest, some of them were a little cagey, a little dicey, you know, absolutely. Yep. But I think that's what you get in any sort of hype cycle of any new technology. So it's quite interesting mm-hmm. that you know you, you've you still got that and you're outwardly still you know talking about the Web three crypto metaverse. Absolutely, I think is going to be something that continues to grow quite quite a lot. You yeah. mentioned as well that you're working within the gaming. So the metaverse is kind of built into your gaming, which makes sense, right? Um, absolutely. Obviously, the stuff that um, you know Meta are doing. With their Oculus product, um, the mix, the 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 mixed reality stuff, it's all pretty significant. So that's pretty cool that you're still in that in that world, um, and I kind of like it. So yeah, I I really respect you for for staying strong and believing in it because it's something that a lot of people certainly aren't talking about in 2023. But but what we are talking about in 2023 is AI, right? Generative AI is the big buzz. Uh, and we, you know, that's set up in a way that it's not going to potentially crash like we've seen with crypto, but I think in a way the hype will decrease and the actual use cases will level out and we'll start to see the applications come through. But I guess from your point of view, just this, this give us a little bit of background about how you're embracing AI. And I know that you've been doing this for a few years because I've read some some notes that you've been going into the AI space and ML space for a while, yep. but how has 2023 changed your game
1: All right. So we used to have an AI team all the time, uh, since 2020, and uh, we were having around 12 people all the time in our team for some AI related projects. One thing we need to understand, AI is not new. AI is in the market since 2010. So it's more than 13 years people are talking about AI in, in practice, actually. So in theory, AI is much, much older. Uh, I passed my graduation in twenty twelve, and at that time I was uh, I I was enforced to take a course for AI, artificial intelligence. So it's mean I was existent even before that. But in practice, AI started taking over the world in twenty ten and 2023, with the hype of Chat GPT. <clears throat> everyone started talking about AI too much, uh, and then that I, I I believe it's the right time to talk about this because. Um, AI, specifically the generative AI, here is here to help us and save our time and the effort that human was doing to generate something for days or weeks or months. It can be done with some sort of uh, large language model or similar models within some milliseconds or some seconds or minutes or hours, like the the time that is required to uh, be to to achieve a task by a human versus a uh, generative AI. Um, Model, or our model is kind of a huge gap there is a huge gap the you would see things coming faster and faster in the in the tech space now onward because for example now we can generate any sort of code from generative ai you using chat gpt a developer don't really need to write the whole code base we used to rely on stack overflow quite a lot we, used, yes, we need yes. to uh, we used to rely on github quite a lot for for stuff but now people are not going or developers or engineers are not going to Word, sort of GitHub or Stack Overflow, they just go to ChatGPT and they just type their query and ChatGPT is giving them, uh, ChatGPT is is one example, we we are not explicitly kind of promoting ChatGPT here specifically, but that is just an example, publicly available uh, portal or platform that you can use. So people are going and writing the code, but even clients are doing that now. They're not going for for minor, smaller tasks, they're not going, to uh, be kind of uh, in touch with software developer engineer, They are simply going to the chat GPD and they're dall E for specifically generating the images yes. from the from yeah. the data. And even Adobe Photoshop now have, a, have that plugin where you can simply generate the missing pieces or kind of mutate or change the specific image based on your requirements. So that's are- that, that's pretty crazy. Of,
0: yeah, I saw an example uh, exactly. of that. It, it, it's insane.
1: Exactly. And there, there, there are tools that generate the videos based on your generative yes. AI based on your input. So you're, you you now can see that everything is kind of getting the automation. But one thing is super important here to talk when we talk about AI, it means we need to give them the right prompt, right command, right instruction to generate the right outcome. If you don't really know the prompting, prompting is another language that human need to understand. Now, today, everyone needs to learn prompting. No one need to learn C, C++, Java, or PHP. Everyone needs to understand or learn prompting for sure. Interesting, so, interesting.
0: Um... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and actually, actually understand- to that to that point, I was, I, you know, we've, we've seen the jokes about, you know, now we're looking for prompting engineers, right? And I've seen that, start exactly. to filter to filter through on the socials and it's true because to a certain extent so yeah. me I'll, I'll be very honest and I've been honest about this all my career is that I did uh-huh. computer science out of university but I failed it miserably I didn't want to do it as a career and I was happy with that but I always worked uh-huh. with coders with programmers I always understood the code I understood how to work with a development company right and developers yeah. so now for mm-hmm. me I've got chat gbt and whatever it might be as a, as a platform But I also treat that as my development house. So in my tinkering, I'm able to do some things now through prompting. And you've got to be pretty good at the prompting. And sometimes it doesn't work the first time. You slightly adjust the prompt to get what you want. You've got to manipulate the the model to really get the outcome you want. So I think when you say that, you know, you've got to be good at prompting, it's definitely the way of the future, though. I think it's interesting that you're saying that, you know, you're embracing it as well, and I, I understand that it needs to be embraced. But when you say that, does that mean that you're okay with your your developers using it to make their jobs more efficient?
1: Absolutely. Well, why I would like someone to spend uh, two weeks to generate or, or produce something with their own hands as a human, rather than if they can produce that within two hours from ChatGPT. So why I would, of course, the outcome is same. Maybe outcome from the chat GPT is much better because it is collecting the data from thousands of the websites uh, from the internet and it's producing the best optimal outcome. And maybe human produced code is not that optimal. So probably I am absolutely fine, but there is one catch here. Um, the intellectual property or the, the data security or the security of privacy parties is one concern. Yes. Sometimes uh, we, we are quite crazy about privacy that may um, not help us in into this direction for example if i generate some code base from chat gpt and i just copy that and use it into my code base uh, it mean the code generated by chat gpt is also now in the database of chat gpt as well so anyone else can produce the same code so there is no intellectual property uh, restrictions uh, restrictions onto that
0: i was always wondering about that actually so i was wondering you know when you create it and, it, and the model responds does it then re-ingest that through its learning mechanism right it's human i know that it has human reinforced learning as part of its process but i didn't think that it was actually i thought it was reinforcing by the responses that the human gave it not what it was giving it so that's quite interesting
1: Uh, i guess if you see on the chat GPT specifically and even DALI or what others they have a thumb up or thumb down uh, against every answer so you can that's kind of reinforced learning or human feedback so uh, if you don't really give a feedback, it means the answer was correct. Or uh, did they kind of re re uh, feed or or kind of re train their model based on the outcome generated by the AI? That's how the AI model kind of keeps getting efficient and efficient day by day.
0: Hmm. Do you see that as being an issue, though? Obviously, the privacy, the the IP um, has come up numerous times, and in fact. I think last week, OpenAI did get sued for the first time by a particular entity. Um, interestingly enough, I'm not sure if you noticed, but they pulled the, the Bing web search um, plugin. I wonder if that was related to that, actually. I, was, I'm, I'm, I haven't found out exactly, but it, it's funny to work it out though, because if we think about the way that, if I, if I ask the model to produce me a piece of code that does a, a basic Hello World co- code to, to, to make it very simple, it's obviously picking up elements of that code from a lots of different areas in its neural network, right? So it's picking it up from the sharding everywhere. So it's not yep. picking it up from one location. So it's very hard That's to right. it's very hard to reverse engineer who actually owns the code that it's producing. So is that is That's that right. the is that the catch that makes it okay to be able to do it?
1: Oh well, uh, there are a lot of. Uh talk about this uh in the town right now um to give the credits or ownership of the original stuff but for example uh google is scrapping almost all the websites on everything. A weekly basis mm-hmm. so yeah. everything so so the Bing do so the ai uh open ai do of course the chat gpt so if it is okay for the google that's my opinion if it is okay for the google to scrap everything every bit on the on the internet right now every week probably it's, it should be okay for chat gpt as well at the same time but there is a catch uh, because regulation is very important uh, and i'm sure google does have that on their side uh, bing may 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 not i don't really uh, know about them but i'm sure about the google and i'm sure chat gpt should have that as well for example if i give the formula of atom bomb to some militant element with the help of chat gpt so that's very, very, you know, how, how the world would uh, proceed after that word. So we need to be a little uh, sure about the sensitivity of the data that we are kind of handing over to the to the users. And we really don't understand who is who and what is what in this space. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do, do you worry as a someone who runs an CEO for a, an outsourcing company that the outsourcing is becoming outsourced? In a certain way. Is that something yeah. that you've considered in this world? I mean, maybe not today. I think we're still a long way away from, you know, this, this, this replacing your 620 employees. But do you think about that in the future Is to, or do you think it just, it simply changes the dynamic of the type of person you hire or the number that you hire, maybe maybe you're able to reduce the workload. Like, obviously these go through your minds, but I'm very interested in, and the timing is beautiful actually to talk to someone in software development running this sort of company.
1: Right. So um, you already answered somehow my questions. Uh, so the nature of the person, or the nature of the skills I would need in the near future would change, would drastically evolve into something, some something differently, uh, altogether different. I would need AI engineers more than Typical web engineers, probably. I won't be needing graphic designers anymore. I would be needing AI engineers to develop a platform or a system that can inter- understand or interpret my my uh, prompts and then generate the web, probably, or design, yeah. probably, or maybe a banner or post or something. That so the, the the nature of the skills required would evolve uh, drastically. And if I would say the number of people uh, required for such engineering would reduce as compared to I do have right now that's again is a different story I believe the number of engineers required for the for the such stuff in in future would increase because the work would increase uh, dramatically because right now a human is producing something in 10 days and same thing is produced by by a chat GPT in five minutes or something like that so yeah. it means that outcome that is produced by an AI bot is now should be the outcome should be or inserted or inputted into something that is in the next phase because everything that is produced from the AI is is, is not uh, ready to go into the production. That needs yeah. to be polished. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, how do you trust it? How do your guys trust it? Obviously, you've, you've got QA, right? Yeah. But it's like anything. Yeah. I, re- I, remember, I remember in my you know platform days when I was lo- looking after databases, um, a vendor might give us a script and we just trust yeah. it to run something but one day the vendor gave us a script and it effectively instead of deleting a couple of tables it, it deleted everything right so yeah. we didn't check it so how do you how do you yeah. instill that mentality into your people to be able to yes work with it to be more efficient leverage the, the feedback mechanism to make everything greater the more you put into it but then trusting it that's that's such a huge part i think for you especially yeah. given that you're you're selling you're on selling the services to a business and doing the outsourcing. That's right.
1: All right so uh, there, there is a middle-tier quality assurance team. I have a full-fledged or uh, a huge department of quality assurance, uh, 40 people, around 40 people working in the quality assurance department right now at Amazon. So whatever is uh, kind of marked as ready or marked as to be shipped uh, by the engineering team is quality assured by the by the quality assurance team, QA team, that we call QA team. So. Your team is ensuring each and every bit that we plan to deliver to the end clients and customers. So everything is checked, human checked, uh, efficiently, effectively, and on daily basis before we deliver to the client.
0: Yeah, makes sense. I I knew that was the the answer because obviously you've got your processes in place. I actually think that that's a good reason to use companies like you actually because if you think about someone who, you talked about the challenges of internal development and outsourcing and and the challenges of in-house teams. So maybe an in-house team might intrinsically trust the output of chat more and just go, yep, all good. But then they're potentially putting themselves at risk. So still putting it in the hands of the professionals is going to be the best outcome for everybody. So I absolutely believe it doesn't get rid of these sorts of houses, right? For sure.
1: Uh, I, I would uh, go back to the uh, days when WordPress was quite uh, popular and non-technical people, laymen were even trying to web- create their websites using WordPress. So yes. anyone can go to WordPress, install it and then pick a theme and pick some plugins and kind of set up the data and pages and all that. But at some point in time, they kind of start feeling a need of having a technical person to take that website forward because now they want to have some custom features custom yes. customizations involved and some technical support involved so now they they are blocked at that point they start searching or struggling with the with the kind of software engineers or vendors or companies who can handle their website and taking forward so they can initiate something but to take it forward we really need the technical support or tech support or tech savvy teams or, or companies who can help us there? So similarly with AI, we can generate to some level, but at some point in time, after taking things forward, we need someone who is or some company like Immunovon who is really uh, expert and um, kind of uh, it is their day-to-day job, kind of supporting yeah. or providing the maintenance and further development enhancement into such systems to the to the customers and
0: systems. Beautifully put. Yeah, I love it. That's a really good discussion there. We could talk for another couple of hours on on this whole topic. It's so, so relevant. Yeah. And it's actually, again, the timing talking to InvoZone is great because you're putting a great perspective on it and you're telling telling it to the people. Um, I want to just finish off. I know that specifically around the your generative AI product, you've got something that you've worked on in the last couple of months. Just maybe give a quick plug to that and what that is.
1: All right, so recently we... Uh, we have a product like, like uh, named Invo.com.io. So Invo.com is a sales automation um, kind of chatbot. Uh, you don't need any salesperson anymore in your team. You just plug in it into your website, and anyone who is coming to um, talk about your products or your services and want to know more about your services, products, their prices, and what you offer, what you don't. Uh, how you can solve their problem and whatnot you simply need to chat with a chat bot uh, a generative AI based AI bot and AI bot would solve almost all of your questions and uh, kind of sign the contract with you as well at the runtime and start work and then pass it to the of course the human uh, intelligent team who is on the back end so that is a kind of sales automation bot so you don't really yeah. need a sales team after having this in and, and and
0: how is that different to the current or previous generation of chatbots that were in play because chatbots have been around for a while so how how has of this course. evolved
1: if you chat with uh Yukong chatbot you won't really realize that you're talking to a bot you are you would feel like like if you are talking to a human exactly like to to a chat gpt if you talk about which uh, you kind of generate some content from the chat gpt it is so relevant and so accurate uh, providing the so uh, accurate information that Sometimes you can get confused that if it is produced by a human being who is intelligent enough or by a chatbot. So exactly, we are using LLM models, large language models with Invo.com. That's the latest technology, the GPT-4 mm-hmm. models. And uh, it's, you would get confused if you are talking to a real human salesperson or a chatbot.
0: Okay, no worries. I guess if you ask them about commission or something, that would give it away probably, <laughs> you know, something a little bit more human, human in that sense. But no, that's awesome. And is there is there anything else that you're working on that's that's kind of cool at the moment and um, that you want to highlight?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, at the moment, we are working in a healthcare project that healthcare, um, because previously we've we been seeing some sort of systems where diagnostic systems based on uh, technology. Uh, that helps the doctors or medical practitioners to diagnose someone's uh, problem. So right now we are working on, on a system that kind of uh, take the data of a patient and then give you the diagnostic reports and analysis on analysis on the basis of, of the all the data or medical data record feed it or inserted or trained into the model. And it's so accurate sometimes that uh, practitioners are getting so much help out of it. That's that's something that we are working on right now. It's in progress, project in progress right now. And maybe it would be completed by the end of 2023.
0: Okay. And maybe give me one like game that you're working on that's quite interesting because obviously everyone loves a computer game.
1: Right. So we uh, we are working on Cardano for Speed. Cardano for Speed is a play to earn game. So play to earn game means you, as far as you are playing the game, you are earning the NFTs. Uh, NFTs are kind of blockchain uh, tokens yep. uh, that you can convert into uh, cryptocurrency and then cryptocurrency can be converted into fiat currency as well at some point in time. So, uh, uh Cardano for Speed is uh already live. That Variant One is live, and we are working on Variant Two. It is a kind of car racing game, but with stunts, with custom body shops, and you can change your because the car lovers understand the custom body of their cars. So, if you want to change the rims, change the tires, change the bodies, change the lights of your car in within the game, that you can do uh without any problem because. Most the time all the uh, need for speed or other car racing games uh they do have one car and you have to pick out of those all options you cannot yeah. customize your car so this is for car lovers specifically and is kind of play to end game
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I think that I definitely saw that part of DeFi as being the future, and there was lots of play to play to play to earn games coming out. But I think they're obviously maturing. So that's cool. I love that sort of stuff. But hey, we we could have chatted for a lot more. This has been a really good conversation. Uh, again, something different that we don't usually do on great things with great tech. But it was really good to get an insight. Again, the timing is beautiful. Some of the commentary around what it is to be a development house in this world of generative AI was really, really good to hear. So, hey, thanks for being on this on the show, Furkan. And look, if you aren't subscribed or you're new to the show, once again, please head to gtwgt.com. You can find me at Anthony Spiteri or at gtwgt podcast. And with that, I'd like to thank Invozone for being on episode 69 of Great Things with Great Tech.